Welcome to the Borgen Podcast, the only English language podcast about fictional Danish politics. On our show, we explore the people, events, and parties that make up the fictional Danish parliament on Borgen. I'm one of your hosts, Amy, coming to you from Istanbul, Turkey. And I am, as always, joined by my good friend and co-host, Chantal, who broadcasts from her room with a fabulous view in Toronto, Canada. And we are talking about Borgen Season 3, Episodes 3 and 4 in this episode of our show. And I just wanted to let our listeners know, in Episode 3, there's some kind of um, awkward conversation about race. So I just wanted to alert people that that might be sensitive about that, that there's going to be some talk about that. And then in episode four, which is Chantal's episode, there's some references and discussion about animal cruelty. So if you're not up for either one of those, skip this show. You can go listen to a different podcast for today. That's fine with us because um, we don't want anybody to feel bad. And that being said, I think we can get started. So let's do that. And you may or may not hear a cat. My cat's hanging around and being kind of weird and clingy. So you might hear her or you might hear me say, ouch, when she bites my feet. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to just jump into episode three, season three, episode three. Oh, one moment. I want to still be able to see my co-host while I'm doing this. There we go. Hello, okay. Lady. Thank you for Hello. <laughs> <laughs> there we go I can still see you yeah, it I feels feel like weird we have, a, we have a real conversation when we could see each other you know yes people listeners know or if you're joining us today for the first time hello and welcome uh I record from Toronto Canada and Amy records from Istanbul Istanbul Turkey yes and um I don't know when this show will be released but of course as everyone knows recently there was this big earthquake here we are still accepting and in need of financial support for the people of Turkey and our neighbors over the border in Syria who also were affected. So if you can, if it's within your means, have a look around at local agencies, check our IG account, our Instagram account for some links to support on the ground here in Turkey. If you can make a donation, that would be great uh, and it will help people a lot try and reestablish themselves after such a large scale disaster. Now, um, let's just get started, shall we? So, Borgen, season three, episode three. Um, in the end of episode two, we saw the new Democrats established uh, as Brigitte's new party. She has four core members at first, and then Bent gets over being mad about her leaving the moderates. Uh, and joins as well. So she's got five members at the core of her party. Most of them are former moderates. She's got Eric Eric Kaufman. Kaufman, right? Is it Kaufman or Hoffman? Hoffman. Hoffman. Yes, sorry, you can hear my cat probably. Eric Hoffman from the New Right, who defected and joined this party as well. Um, and uh, all right. So at the very start of this episode, the new party is in their new office in this kind of rundown industrial space. It's quite chaotic. There's a lot of people there, but there's not a lot of unity. There's a lot of things going on. We see a lot of minor characters. There's a lot of arguments about who's paying for coffee, which is kind of um, an interesting thread, a kind of comic thread that goes throughout the whole show because the new party, of course, they don't have any money, which is one of the issues that they're gonna deal with. The episode itself, is awkwardly called the right shade of brown 
So I'm going to discuss this a little bit more as we go through the episode. Um, it definitely, this episode caught some criticism when it was released. I'm not sure if it would work now. Um, actually, I, I don't know. You might have to redo this episode if they re-released it. It's in reference to getting a spokesperson, the, the title, is in reference to getting a spokesperson or party member who looks less European, shall we say, who represent represents diversity. So they're looking for a person of color to lead this debate on uh, integration, presumably carrying over from the immigration law stuff from the beginning of the season. So Eric, the new right defector who came on board because he's married to an Ethiopian lawyer and has a mixed-raced son, says um, that being the representative for integration, which he's an obvious candidate, um, will only put his son in more danger of being picked on or singled out or bullied. <clears throat> so there's this weird conversation that the core members have about getting this representative maybe an immigrant to take on the role of spokesperson for diversity or integration. So image as well as principles are coming into play here. Image is very important at this point. Um, it always is in politics, especially politics through media, which is how anybody finds out about politics. So this is gonna be part of the deal for the new Dems um, as they move forward. Um, there's this really uncomfortable discussion. They start talking about um, is it? I think it's Netta. Netta says, I know a guy from Greenland um, who's really cool. And somebody says, Inuits aren't brown enough. And it must be a Muslim. And I thought like in Canada, I'm like, yeah, you could, you could have an Inuit representative for diversity in Canada. Actually, you might have to have two. One for the quote unquote right shade of brown people and one for the indigenous card. But like, I'm looking at this from a very cynical point of view. I hope that this episode's conversation, this episode conversation was made in order for viewers to criticize the way liberal white Europeans see people of color. Cause that's what it came off as to me. I sincerely hope it was meant as a criticism and that this is made this way on purpose to show people behind closed doors, how kind of quietly racist people can be. Like this isn't saying like, it's not saying negative things about people of color. It's the same positive things about people of color, but kind of for an odd purpose. It, it seems very misguided to me the way they discuss this and cringeworthy. And like my ears burned when I heard that. Mm -hmm. Well, these are the microaggressions, right? <clears throat> yes. That, that are coming out in these people. And um, maybe I should define what microaggressions are before you start. So people yes. have that in their, in their mind. So, um, so I will say that I am a woman of color. Uh, listeners may not yes. know that because you, you I am always, not. You always hear my voice, um, but I am a woman of color. I am an LGBTQ woman of color. My roots are originally South Asian, but my parents for generations, one side has come from the Caribbean and the other side is from South South America. And I'm born and raised in in Toronto. And uh, I will say, as a LGBT POC, person of color, these microaggressions that I hear really, um, they, 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 a, a radar goes off when I hear it because I oh, am, yes. I am sensitive towards it. And I know with friends like Amy, who are not people of color, they're 
ears are also tuned into it. And as we were just discussing offline, how it really affects you too, because you yeah, have many friends that are people of color and LGBTQ. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really damaging. And when, you know, when you're in a position where it's someone in a leadership position, who's making kind of like soft biased, I'm saying soft biased, cause it's not like, you know, somebody's being blatantly racist or outwardly racist, or they don't even might, they might not even perceive of themselves as racist, mm -hmm. but the things they're saying end up sounding racist because they kind of are, you know, backed by some kind of buried prejudice in there. Right. And or they're, they're, they're sheltered. They don't, they yeah. don't have friends that don't look like them and don't sound yeah. like them and don't pray like them and don't love like them. Yeah. And so the term microaggression. So I'd like listeners to uh, write this link down. It's www.themicropedia.org, T-H-E-M-I-C-R-O-P-E-D-I-A.org. And this website was brought to my attention because I was recently in a EDI, Equity, Diversity and Inclusion training um, that my colleagues and I uh, go to. I work for a hospital and we have to do these, uh, like many hospitals or universities or corporations have to do these EDI trainings. And this link came to us through that training and I thought it was perfect. And so the definition from the micropedia.org to the question, what are microaggressions? Microaggressions are everyday snubs and insults that marginalize groups face. They're often very subtle comments or actions that come from implicit bias and or stereotypes. They may seem like a compliment. For example, you're beautiful for a transgendered girl or a harmless comment such as, where are you really from? But where are you really from? When they see yeah. a person that doesn't look like them or a subconscious action such as crossing the street to avoid a racialized person. So what this website does, it's gonna, it, it provides information of how to avoid, how to respond and how to be accountable. And the site is broken into nine volumes. So 2S LGBTQ plus age, class-based, disability, ethnicity, gender, indigenous, race, and religion. And each volume you click on brings you to a page of common microaggressions in the form of a statement or questions and an explanation of how and why this is a microaggression and how to unlearn this train of thought. So yeah, with that, I highly recommend the website, not just for your own personal selves or for your friends, but to share with your colleagues at work to try and make the workplace a more uh, safe and equitable place to be, equal place to be, um, that is more inclusive and 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 safe. So yeah, that is the yeah, definition. I, yeah, I would love to see that in all workplaces. Um, you know, I have to, I have to keep on top of it with my students because they will sometimes repeat things that they say. And I have to like say, now, hold on now, what gives you that idea? What makes you think that? Right. And so, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's something that everybody needs to work on regularly. Yes. And unlearn this, mm -hmm. this, 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 uh, this way of thinking. And actually there was a company here, Amy, in Ontario, you may or may not have remembered them. There was there was a the company was called unlearn.com. 
And how I knew about them, I was a university student at the University of Toronto. And uh, in, in one of the big foyers, they had a, a station set up. And I was really struck by their t-shirts because that's what their company was. They were teaching people how to unlearn certain biases, right? So yeah. for example, uh, my friend Encore, hello Encore, if you're listening to this. Who Hi. Encore, <laughs> I love that company. He bought a t-shirt that had like a squares of skin tones on it, like in a vertical bar. And it says skin tone, skin tone, skin tone, skin tone, as if to show they're all equal. All equal, like a eyeshadow palette. That's right. Like an eyeshadow palette. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I send when guys say send nudes to me. I send them nude eyeshadow palettes. (laughs) Very clever. Well, I'm not doing that. I mean, there's a microaggression right there. Send nudes. What? Excuse me? You know, no, no. (laughs) It's not a compliment. It's not. No, it's not. It's just gross. Don't do it. It is gross. It is gross. (laughs) Unless you are seriously talking about eyeshadow colors. Seriously. That's right. And you want to learn about eyeshadow, then that would be appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. And I would love for a guy to ask me eyeshadow advice. I would be quite happy to share that. Yes. Go ahead. I will send you pictures of the eyeshadow palettes. No yes. problem. <laughs> okay, let's. All right. So now that I've defined to what microaggressions are for the listeners, let's go into Amy's episode with that yes. lens. And again, the website is the micropedia.org. Okay, Amy. Excellent. All right. So they are discussing their uh, diversity and integration spokesperson. And yeah, Inuits aren't brown enough. Ouch. And, um, they also say, like, they start joking around and saying, oh, it must be a Muslim who's, like, all hairy and has a beard. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. They are discussing their uh, immigration diversity, integration, sorry, integration representative. Image is important. We hear the comment, Inuits aren't brown enough, and the person they get should be a Muslim. And they actually talk about uh, a Muslim who's all hairy with a beard. And I just cringe so bad. But I've also heard people here, Turkish people, some of my friends joke around about that stereotypical image too. Even though they're Muslim from a Muslim culture, they'll still joke about that particular image. So Brigitte kind of pulls everybody back together after that comment gets made and says, okay, like we have to be serious here. And they sort of start discussing this again. And this is the point where I started wondering if this is actually a critical way of looking at the way liberal white Europeans really talk about and view people of color. Um, If it isn't, it probably should be criticized because this is a bit difficult to listen to. Uh, Neta says, you know, I know this really great Indonesian student that was in a study group of mine at university. That person's been here for 20 years. And then Jan kind of counters that. It's like, oh, Indonesian uh, indicates too much Asian business investment, like from China and Japan maybe like too much corporate takeover. And she says like Indonesia is the biggest Muslim country in the world, which I think is true based maybe on population. I, I'm not sure. Yes, I, I, I think it's true. I've also heard yeah. that more than a couple of times. Yeah, that very well could, could be actually. Um, they reject the idea of an African candidate in, fla- in favor of a quote unquote full-fledged Muslim, which is kind of meant as a joke. I think that's when they maybe make the, about the hair the hair comment 
but Katrine says she can find someone the right shade of brown, which is just so awkward. Like, what yeah. does that even mean? Like somebody yeah. who's who's brown enough to be brown, but white enough to be acceptable to white people. Like yeah, exactly. And again, as a as a person of color from South Asia, my real roots are South Asian. I find that offensive. Am am I the right brown? Am I the wrong brown? Like. I, yeah, I, what I just, does that even mean? You know, it's been a while since I watched this episode of Borgen and, you know, rewatching it to write, to prepare for it and write these monologues. I just cringe. I'm like, they could be talking about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And they don't realize how ignorant they sound, you know? Yeah. And there's nobody of color in the room. No. There's nobody present who, you know, is even any kind of shade of brown. It's pretty horrendous, actually. It's just like, I just found it very kind of like, I can't believe that they actually, that this- I, I found it horrendous too, and I found it very disappointing, but I think it's a reflection of that year. I mean, yeah. this episode would have probably been about 2013. It was 2013. And yeah, their world with each other that they all associate with people that look like them, which is actually boring. Yeah, it is. To not and have also friends that are different than you, you know? Yeah, and if you live if you live in if you live in Toronto, you're gonna have people you're gonna know people who look different than you because there's just so many different people there. It's one of the great things about that city, actually. It's something that I really miss about living there. Yeah. Now, if you flip that coin, you know, I I I was uh, going somewhere in a cab recently, and um, the cab driver made some off offhand comments about certain types of immigrants and refugees that come to Turkey in a very negative way, I can say. And I knew that he was saying that to me because I'm quote unquote, the right type of immigrant, right? I'm a Western, I'm I'm a woman. Okay, that's a count against me. But he also asked me if I was married. I always say yes, or I always say I'm engaged actually, even though I'm not. Um, just for any actors out there who look like Philip or Jeremy, if you were wondering, <laughs> uh, no, I'm single. Um, so yeah, so um, I know that I fit the quote unquote right right profile. I'm the right kind of immigrant, and I get a huge amount of privilege along with that. And while it benefits me, like it it's a benefit to me, it makes my life somewhat easier living here. I still find it very awkward to deal with. I have kind of some some hangups about that because it doesn't feel correct. To, it doesn't feel mm -hmm. okay to me mm -hmm. because yes, I know because it's you know it's better. phony. You know yeah, better. You're you're a Canadian. You lived in Toronto for like what is it, 13, 14 years? Like yeah, you know better, and you know that in a city like Toronto, there are people from all over the world here, all different languages, all different everything, yep. and that's the norm. Yeah. And you can be in the subway in Toronto and be the only Anglophone. Yeah. And that's fantastic. I absolutely love that, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one but, of the things I love in, the most in about where they are, these characters. It's right a now, more Copenhagen in 2013. It's a more much more homogenous society. society. Yeah. They yeah. don't get it. So an intelligent woman like Katrine is saying these things and she's going to say more things, which Amy's going to talk about. And I just cringe and I think, Katrine, how can you say that? You're a you're a journalist, you know, you're covering stories that are from all yeah. over the world. How can you still think like that? Yeah, I know. It's it's quite shocking. And remember, like, 
you know, she even traveled to Afghanistan and was embedded with like a military unit. Like it's like it's kind that's of right. anyway. That's how the that's how season two opened. They were in yeah. Afghanistan with Brigitte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've you know, and she she went to Africa. Like you know, anyway, it's a little cringy. It's a little cringy, and it seems to me very reductive and weird to hear people talk about this topic and about people like this way. But they also do need to have a representative who will you know, represent diversity or be able to speak about diversity. Now, what originally gets mentioned is that Netta had that position in the moderate party for a few months. And John points, John points out that that like, okay, yeah, with mixed results, but, you know, that might end up being um, something that they should consider. Um, I just heard a strange noise. I don't lose anything. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm just checking. I heard this funny noise in the background. I think it was my cat. Okay. Um, so they, they, we see them go through all the different people that they're, they want to talk to. Um, the new party though, does seem to have, uh, they, they managed to call in a, a bunch of different people and the party itself there's a very obvious mix of values here we see brigitte have interactions with somebody who's clearly got an animal rights agenda which is fine we see her kind of um have these funny conversations with this woman who represents like very christian conservative values right like to She's the point where about she... pro-choice or lack yeah of something yeah yeah she she wants to like have a debate on like stopping abortion and like Brigitte is like we're never going to do that never going to happen right yeah and so those kinds of things come up and I that's another type of diversity right so anyway they interview all these different integration candidates and they get this um a, a guy a Muslim guy who mentors immigrant kids I really like this guy very handsome actor again where do they find all these hot actors for this show I swear <laughs> Anyway, um, so they talked to him and he's really good. I thought he would be a really good candidate. I really liked him. But yeah, they, they end up turning him down because of his neck tattoo. Okay, like Katrine asks him, like he has an, uh, a tattoo very faint on his neck with Arabic writing. Okay, first of all, if you're really devout Muslim, you won't have tattoos. You don't mark up your body. It's similar to J Judaism in that way. Um, and he admits that he's like, He's like, and they're like, oh, so you're a Muslim. And Not he's like, yeah. Staunch. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way that most, you know, most Danes are Christians, like, you know, and she's like, what does that mean? And he's like, well, you know, I believe in God, but I don't practice like I break rules. Like he eats, says he eats pork, but not wieners because they're full of trash, which is really funny. Um, and he's not wrong. Um, so he breaks these Quranic rules and he has this tattoo and the uh, tattoo is a quote from the poet Rumi. And it's like, he got it when his wife said yes. And it's like the, 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 all lovers live inside each other or something. And it's really nice. I love Rumi. We studied him a lot in my university days. So, um, in addition to needing this immigration or integration candidate, they also need money. <laughs> this party has no money. So Jan brings in Jorgen Steen Anderson, who's supposed to bring money and support for the party. He's like a financier guy. 
Um, he brings him into their meeting room, which is really a broom closet. And he says, I've booked the conference. It's like a running joke. I've booked the conference room. And it's like this room with mops and like one table in it <laughs> with not barely enough room for like two coffee cups on it. So he brings him and then, um, uh, you know, we see him, he kind of enters the room later. We see a little bit later, we see Katrina Nitt outside discussing getting a woman as the speaker for the integration policy. And Jan comes in and he's like, oh, two women come up with that. And then Katrine says, and this is, I think, the thing that made you cringe. Yeah. Katrine's like, well, you're gay, so you're halfway there. And it's like, oh, dude. Oh, my God. Why did you say that? How is he halfway there because he's gay? Like, it's just so stupid. And again, I like Katrine, but I guess I'm going to bring this up when we, so Amy and I talked about this. We're going to, we're going to record a bonus episode, uh, which profiles uh, Katrine and Brigitte in one show. And I'm going to talk about how Katrine has changed or how I'm seeing sides of her now in season three that I just, I just am surprised by and disappointed by quite frankly, yeah. because I really like her as an anchor, as a reporter yeah. and as Casper's girlfriend Okay, up yeah. until the end of season two. But when I see her, first of all, go to bed with Alex in the last Ew. gross. Yes. And then we see her now with these like blatant homophobic comments. Why is he halfway there yeah. because he's gay? Like it is just awful. Yeah. And like they are not friends like that. They do not know each other well enough for her to even crack a joke like that. You might be able to do that with a queer friend who's really close to you if yeah or you're you know, like, yeah you're you're joking like i joke with them as a stereotype like amy yeah. and i always talk about you know all lesbians are supposed to be good at tools which i am not so yeah but i actually is, am <laughs> and amy, is, and amy identifies as straight so i i literally make a joke to amy when we record i say uh or when i send her messages when we're not recording the borgen podcast Oh, Amy, I bought a new shelf today, but since I'm not a toolbox lesbian, I have to call a friend to fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. I'm like, oh, it's, it's too bad I'm not in Toronto. I would come over and put it up for you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> jokes because we're close, but Jan and, and, and Katrine are colleagues. You know what I yeah, mean? They're not, yeah, they're not friends like that. Jan does not, you know, every gay He took it very well. He's just like, ah, ha, ha. You just, depending on the situation, and also for your own safety, okay? Yeah. Say, you let that fall onto deaf ears, but a lot of yeah. people don't, they don't, they don't even realize what they said. Again, it goes back to microaggressions and how we defined yeah. it at the beginning of this episode. And I think Jan just tries to be the bigger person and not say anything to not go there. Cause it's just like, yeah. how much time do I have to explain to this woman what she's saying is so off the cuff. Yeah. And like, yeah. if maybe it's the only time she's ever going to make a comment like that and it's not worth getting into. Exactly. So we'll just let it go, you know? Yeah. And I've yeah, been in situations yeah. like that too. And you just said in your examples, like in the cab, you've been in situations like that where you could flip the script and tell this person you're actually really wrong and off the mark, but let's just there's let it no, go. Yeah. There's no point at that. And there's like, no point. You, there's no yeah. point. A, a, a Turkish taxi isn't a safe enough environment for to do that in. Like you never know what people are going to do, you know, take you for a ride down the wrong road or something, you know, like, and just like run up the meter or something. But I, that's happened to me before, but anyway. Okay. So um, in addition to needing this representative, they also need money. As I said, they have expenses like maintaining the rundown space 
and coffee, the running joke, charging for coffee. Oh, Brigitte's in a bad mood. She's charging for coffee again. Yeah. <laughs> and printer paper, right? And Katrine and Brigitte discuss membership fees. There's, like I said, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people volunteer looking, you know, new Democratic Party members, the public, ordinary people who have volunteered to come and work for them and help organize the party, but they're not collecting membership fees and they need to start doing that because that's how you fund political parties in part. That and as we learn, you know, corporate sponsorships, which can be very tricky because with that kind of money comes a certain amount of expectation, right? And so Jan, they have about 13, um, is it 13,000? Yeah, 13,000 party members, according to Bent. So people have started joining the ranks. This is good. This is what we want. So Jan tells Brigitte he can secure about 1 million uh, uh, Danish kroner from Jorgenstein Andersen, who's a banker, which will go quite a long way. I did not check out how much that is. Um, but I, I imagine a million of any currency is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, and Brigitta asks what Anderson wants in return. And the answer is, oh, he just wants to be part of the party movement. But uh, obviously, this is wrong. This is wrong. I knew this was wrong from the beginning. Nobody yeah. ever gives anything away for free, especially no. in the finance world, right? Well, especially that magnitude of money, right? We're not yeah. talking, I'm going to donate $100 to your cause. Yeah, it's not well, an anonymous yeah. donation. Yeah, right. exactly. So he wants to meet Brigitte, okay? And so that gets arranged. And then next we see Netta announcing she may have found a candidate for speaker, an Iranian fifth-year law student, Parvin, but the others don't accept accept her because she's covering her hair, which is With the scarf. too Islamic looking. Yeah. yeah. This is a big controversial issue in Turkey, actually, um, whether or not people are covered. The there's there's a very clear dividing line in Turkish culture between secularism. Secular republicanism. Now, Republican, republicanism in Turkey is a different thing than it is, say, in American politics. So Republican here means supporting the foundation of Turkey as a secular nation after 1923, when Kemal Mustafa Ataturk became the leader of the country, Okay, right at the end of, like, at, at the transition from the Ottoman Empire into the Turkish Republic. And he established the Tur Turkish Republic and made a lot of uh, great reforms, reformed the writing system, the education system. Women in Turkey got the vote quite early. Um, like there were more women employed in 1930s Turkey than there are today because of the new conservatism that's cropped up in the political scene over the past 20 years. Um, so there's quite a division. It used to be illegal to cover your hair here. And the current leadership abolished that rule, which looks modern from a Western point of view, right? Like everybody should be able to express their religion. Mm -hmm. But secular Turks, who are strong Republicans, kind of oppose that because they think it's leaning too far towards conservatism. It causes a bit of a rift here. I mean, that's my take on it. I am an outsider. I am not Turkish. So that's my perspective of what I seem to understand about it so those divisions are um not just between like the west and islamic culture but they're also within islamic culture too okay so you know it can be kind of an issue um and they talk about this um and in the end they they t decide to tell her that they're going to turn her down because of her age um but she looks like a good candidate too mm-hmm 
So this is ongoing throughout the episode. Now, then Brigitte meets with Anderson, okay? And he asks about tax policies and says <clears throat> that she says that the party hasn't discussed it. Um, he seems very excited to meet her. Like he's like a totally fanboying over her. Yeah. It's almost like a date for him. This lunch is very swanky. They go to this upscale restaurant. There's wine. It looks really good. Okay. Okay. He Do I need to... to say the obvious? If you're meeting a woman like Brigitte, how could you not imagine and hope that's a date? <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> seriously. I think you feel about Brigitte the way I feel about Philip. Yeah. We should each date them. Yes. That well, that's what I'm thinking. Show. If they had just like, you know, seen <laughs> us, yeah, their marriage wouldn't have broken up. We could have been the side girls. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> that might have worked out. Well, that's so funny. Told Philip, why don't you have an affair? And, you know, I at know. that point, she should have given him your number. <laughs> yeah, totally. Obviously. Obviously. Oh. <laughs> Although Brigitte, I mean... You know, Sidse Babi Knutson's been in some interesting roles, has she not? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting, diverse roles, and I, I, I try to see as many of her films as I can. But you know, from the access in North America, I'm only like I, I can't see everything she does, unfortunately. Yeah, course, yeah. But I try and see as much as I can. Yeah. Has she ever played a a, a gay character? She has actually, and our queer audience is uh -huh. listening. And I know we do have a queer audience. Uh, she played in a film by P Peter Strickland, a British film called The Duke uh -huh. of Burgundy. And yep, that's that the film, one I was thinking of. <laughs> that's, the one, that's the one. And in it, she plays a professor of butterflies and she's living in a remote location with her colleague, who's actually also her lover, who's also in that butterfly uh area a, of study it's a and great film it's a great it's film really but it's yeah. also so visually stunning like the way peter strickland does the visuals mm -hmm. of the you know it, the butterflies and all the sounds and the colors and it's it's really really excellent but anyway she has a relationship with this woman um, but she's also a butterfly scientist so i thought that was very cool because as listeners may or may not know uh, I had a career in biomedical research for like 12 to 15 years. So uh, the nerd in me is like fascinated Ooh, by her character yeah. film of spending time under the microscope and, you know, preparing lectures to talk about butterflies. But they had a her and this woman, this younger woman, um, uh, they had a this BDSM relationship, which I thought was very hot. And it's not a, <laughs> a relationship that is always displayed on tv or or film so yeah very interesting funny. see so not and it would not be a stretch for these actors to go that way i'm just saying that's right <laughs> if there's a season five of borgen just call us anyway <laughs> um okay so he's uh, anderson's so excited to meet her he wants to offer them the money and but what does he really want now Later, we see um, Brigitte talking to Philip about this, okay? Um, and uh, he's, uh, Brigitte's moved. They moved into a new house, okay? To me, it looks really cozy. It's not as flash as the big uh, flat with all the windows and everything. By but Brigitte has financed the startup for the NDP, which sounds funny because of the Canadian party, the NDP, the new Dems. She's funded that herself, Um so she's begun to feel, oh, and she's also begun to feel some numbness in her hands, 
which kind of comes and goes throughout this episode. Um, so is that stress, possibly stress related at this point? Okay. And the kids seem disappointed by what they call the dump of a house. And Laura acts all like an adult. She tells Magnus like, well, we rent that place, you know, like this is the way it has to be for now. And she acts all grown up. It's really nice. And this is where we first see Philip. He's at Brigitte's new house to help Magnus with something to hang a skateboard on his wall. And uh, she, t I guess, uh, Brigitte is not a toolbox lesbian either. But anyway, she tells <laughs> Philip, oh no, because she got, remember, she got the driver to fix her sink. Remember how that turned out? Oh, yeah. It is hot having a guy come over to help you do things, I can say. Anyway, um, not the plumber, but the guy who comes to supervise the plumber. Anyway, that's my story to tell later. Um, she tells Philip about the banker. He knows who he is, okay? Uh, Philip knows who Anderson is, and his reaction is a little not that enthusiastic, or Brigitte's kind of gushing. Oh, he just he's so great. He just wants to help us, blah, blah, blah. We had five glasses of wine. She's like all excited about being fangirled over and like kind of squiffy, I guess, from drinking. Mm -hmm. And then um, he says, for sure, Anderson's going to expect something in return. And Brigitte doesn't want to think that that's the case at this point. Okay. But it would be smart to anticipate that. And I think deep down, she understands that. She just didn't want to believe it at the time. So that's something that's kind of hanging in the background. Um, so um, later, Jan and Brigitte have words over this financial plan. Brigitte begins to suspect there will be expectations on the policy from Anderson because of her conversation with Philip. And then Katrine and um, Brigitte discuss this woman, Nadia. She's been offered a job with TV One. Um, and let me go down and check my notes about her. I Sometimes I put notes of, like I section my notes and I usually put notes to where I should go to find things, but I forgot to do that here. Okay, so here we are. Um, Hang on a second. Um, at TV One. Okay, there we go. At TV One. Torben is continued to be challenged by Alex's kind of tech bro internet age, funky guy, funky furniture catchphrase management style, which is so annoying. Um, the They go into Alex's quote unquote creative workshop, which is supposed to, I guess, look like a Google office. And there's oh, so ridiculous. there's something called challenge furniture in there. So like chairs you can't actually sit on. It's so dumb. It's supposed to make people think in angles. Um, anytime somebody says think outside the box to you, they really don't mean that because it's such a cliche. Um, and I think it's a big gimmick. It's a management gimmick. So Alex and Torben are having this meeting in the creative workshop. They're in entering into a dialogue about positive shows or whatever. And Alex wants a show like Dilemma back, which Torben canceled because of all the ranting and raving. Alex says young viewers liked it. He basically wants to reroute TV One's news and go towards infotainment. So sound bites. Um, me, hap I'd happily watch a real debate on TV. I miss deep journalism, actually. Alex continues his thing of wanting positive news stories that avoid fraught topics like wars and crises. He suggests sexy financial TV because the successful people will like it. They like to see themselves. 
And unsuccessful people like to dream. So this is like the aspirational novel. He wants Instagram for TV news. The news team seems skeptical, skeptical when Torben presents it to them using a lot of Alex's language. Okay. Um, he hounds Torben about the show. He criticizes Torben for putting Nadia on, um, who is uh, this uh, Iranian woman. And I think she's Iranian, right? She's Pakistani. Pakistani. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Parvin was the Iranian. Yes. So she's a Pakistani origin Dane um, who's a financial wizard. And do you remember her surname? I have her name all over my notes and I did not write down her surname. Uh, it starts with a V, I believe. I yeah. didn't either, but we, yeah. yeah, that's okay. I'm sorry. Um, and not because she's the Pakistani character. So I think they only say her surname once. Brzezani or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, something like that. Um, so um, he criticizes Torben for having Nadia on and she, because she's like, oh, the financial uh, situation is taking a bit of a downturn. So that's a quote unquote negative story. So, you know, Alex has a hang up about negativity or what other people might call reality. He only wants to show positive things. He asked Torben if it's against his notion of public service to let viewers think life might be worth living, which is kind of ridiculous. So Torben goes to Pia and repeats a lot of Alex's words to her about the show, about not feeling welcome. Oh, I didn't feel welcome. And Nadia's point of view doesn't fit with the narrative. And Pia clocks this immediately. She's like, why are you talking like this? Torben says it's his decision, but like, it's not his decision. Okay. Um, and then um, they end up uh, firing Nadia and they have a staff meeting about this, about hiring someone to replace Nadia. And Ulrich tells Torben, uh, many of the staff were surprised that she got fired and that the reason is under scrutiny. Um, Torben has repeated the expression, she's a Pakistani prophet of doom to Pia which is what Alex called her. Mm -hmm. And then Alex flips out. People complain about Torben saying that. And then Alex flips out at him and gets angry at him. But in fact, he's like actually just using Alex's expression. It's really weird to me. Their relationship is so fraught. And the fact that Torben is just repeating his words shows that A, he kind of wants to support management but also, like, he's not doing it in the right way at all. But anyway, right. Pia brings it up, and everyone is upset. Torben should know better than to use an expression like that. And frankly, Alex shouldn't have said it either. Um, the Pakistani part, if they could have just said prophet of doom, and it, they might have got away with it, except maybe not the word prophet. But regardless it's a dumb thing to call anybody they you know they should have just called her negative or a naysayer or something but that's the expression that they use and neither of them should have said it but it does show and i have this word in my notes a microaggressive type of racism that a lot of people have behind their liberal facades um torben dismisses this conversation and moves on okay um and in the end, it's, it's, um, hang on. We go back to the party. We go back to the new Dems and their search for the 
representative for integration because Nadia comes to them after being fired by TV One. She says it's a race thing. Um, but, but actually, that's not the real reason she gets canned. It's because of, she says, like, the financial thing, situation is bad. And it's part of Alex's weird anti-negative story thing, more than the fact that she's Pakistani. I think the word is used, but I don't think that's actually why she got fired. If she had gone on there and said how great the financial situation was, it might have worked out well for her and mm -hmm. Torben. So anyway, but because that word, you know, there's a reference to her nationality, that's a problem. And, you know, it comes back to get people, and rightly so, actually. So um, she comes to um, get hired, and um, they offer her the integration spokesperson thing, but she says she has really sharp views on that topic. And John says, good, it's realistic and not politically correct, which is kind of good. And those attitudes actually are this. So she doesn't agree with affirmative action because she says it might take away people's own drive. She agrees to some extent with Hesebo's immigration policies on deportations for small crimes, which as we know is a huge issue for Brigitte and not something that she agrees with. Mm -hmm. um, she says she agrees with not opening borders to people who will end up on welfare. She says it's culturally unsound, which means when Katrine asks for clarification, she that she isn't unaware of the impact of conservative Islam on developing nations and how extremism can take hold. She says parts of Pakistan, for example, are incompatible with Danish society, which is probably somewhat true. She doesn't support uh, Salafists, okay, which is actually something very common among progressive Muslims or progressive people in Islamic cultures who want secular government and religion to be part of one's personal life. Like that separation of church and state, which we as quote unquote Westerners see as a Western ideology is also part of the political culture elsewhere. It's not unique to the West, okay? So those are arguments that I've seen made here as I was saying before, right? And um, she says some members of her own family are basically living in the Middle Ages. <clears throat> Relatable. <clears throat> um, and this isn't a standpoint <laughs> that PC pol politically correct politicians want to hear, you know, but it is not an uncommon standpoint. I come across a lot. Uh, I come, I've come across that living here. Um, you know, a lot of people view kind of conservative or extremism in religion as hugely problematic, much the same we see conservative Christianity as a problem in the West. Okay, it's the same kind of um, issue, actually, it, the, very similar. Uh, it limits freedom and choice for the individual, especially women, minorities, and the LGBTQ members of society. Now, if you are a member of those minorities, any fundamentalist religion is not going to help you basically like i don't know is there fundamentalist buddhism i don't think so but like um so that's an issue and like it's perfectly reasonable for and quite realistic for nadia to have these points of views so she's kind of somewhat culturally conservative she's very secular she doesn't agree with fundamentalist religion you could find that profile in a quote unquote you know european origin person like as a white person too so i thought that was actually I thought she was a well-developed character. 
And th those are complex point of views that we don't actually see people discuss very much. Yes. So this is where, for me, this episode actually won points after showing these like dumb liberal PC points of view, which mm -hmm. made me think that maybe it was done intentionally to show this contrast, you know? But I also like that it's a woman of color that's bringing this up. Yes. Right. Yeah, and yeah. if we can, if, if the people on the show, like the characters of the show can forego her skin color, let's say, and just listen to what she's saying, I actually think she's quite logical. Yeah, totally. In yeah. her points of view. And I, I looked up the character. So her name is Nadia Barazani. She's played by the actress Laura Allen Mueller, M-U-L-L-E-R. She's a Danish-American actress that trained at the Danish National School of Performing Arts and at the Lee Strasberg Theater and oh. Institute in New York City. So she's actually oh. like so She's hardcore. Yeah, yeah. and um, we see her in Power and Glory as well. So we will yep. talk about her when we get to Power and Glory. But yeah, I really like her too. Yeah, me too. I mean, like my political views, I'm I'm a little more pro-immigration, um, obviously, right? But like, um, you know, the the things about like religious extremism are is is like a something I share with her character's political view. So yes, so we have that. We have this issue with money. Okay, so Jan and Brigitte have words over the financial plan for the party. Brigitte begins to suspect there will be these expectations. Okay, um, she meets Anderson again to see what's really up, not a five wine lunch. <laughs> he insists that there's no agenda, but he will expect them to adjust their position to a certain degree, which means there's an agenda. Um, he says political parties need corporate money. Individuals, even a lot of them, can't fund a whole party. That's correct. And also that corporations need to be able to have their interests discussed in parliament. That's true to some degree, I suppose. But like, come on, economic policy is corporate policy. Like, that's as far as it should go. It shouldn't be specific to any one corporation. But I'm kind of a political ideologist as well. I mean, I run a model United Nations club for teenagers. How much more idealistic can you get? So she asks Anderson about the lowering of corporate taxes, if he's behind Jan's putting that in their financial policy. He said no, he didn't ask Jan to put in 4% deductions for corporations, but seven. So that makes Brigitte decide something. She goes to Philip and asks for 100,000 Danish kroner to cover the debt and reject the money from Anderson. So she has spent some of the money that he's given them She's going to pay him back. So, and um, you can tell she's cutting costs because she buys a 600 kroner bicycle and comes to work on it. They're budgeting and back to square one with financial issues and charging for coffee. <laughs> um, Brigitte uh, has a confrontation with Jan about buying and selling. She doesn't want to compromise principles and policy for donations, but she might have to to some extent. She tells him she paid back Anderson. She says they can't compromise before they get any voter support, which is an interesting point. Once you've got voter support, it implies that there can be some compromises once they have their own sphere and influence. And the point of that is to establish their policies and then accept money from donors who agree with the policies rather than adjust the policies to get funding, which makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. So she brings up what kind of environmental policy can be made after accepting cash from agriculture groups, for example, which is, 
you know, fair. Um, so at the end of the episode, Brigitte looks at all the chaotic activity uh, in the party headquarters office <clears throat> and rounds up the core group for a talk. They decide to, uh, she announces that there will be a 300 Danish Kroner membership fee and it's time to make policy decisions that will show who they are as a party. She's right to do this. It can't be a free for all. Not everybody's personal opinions can be represented. That's nope. not what a political party is for. Nope. She calls a general meeting and points out how currently the party lacks focus and points out contradictory ideas the members have brought to the table. She rejects some of them outright, like, you know, having a debate on um, uh, anti-choice debate. Like, that's never going to happen. She's never going to um, Go have way. policy to reject the woman's right to uh, access abortion. Um, and so the party starts to take some shape. So politically, that's where we end the episode, but I am not finished because we are still talking about media and I haven't even mentioned Katrina yet. So um, they end up having the dilemma show um, and Hannah Holm hosts it. And it's Nette who goes on to talk about integration in the end because the new Dems um, aren't ready to put Nadia's opinions out there, even though Jan thinks it would be fine. He might be right, you know, but um, <clears throat> You know, because I think because of the decisions they made about the immigration policy, they put Netta on instead. But Nadia sticks with them. She doesn't leave the party or anything. Um, so Netta kills it in the debate. Okay. Um, she criticizes the opposition for going to a domestic violence help center for immigrant women the day after posting photos on social media of a boy who called her names in a harmless email. This is Benedicte, who I think is with the, um, I think she's with the Freedom Party. Um, she she but, is on uh, Sven's party. Sven's, yeah, Freedom yeah. Party. Okay. Yeah, she's, yeah, that comes clear in the, in the next in episode. In my episode, actually. yeah. Yeah. And it's really bad. So she she kind of doxes this boy and posts the parents, the boy's parents' address, um, you know. And Nette says she called he called you names in an email, and you you published his parents' address, and how wrong that is. Like that's endangering people. You can't do that. That should be illegal, actually. I think if you do that, you should be arrested. But anyway, um, or fined at least. So. She does really well in the debate and it looks really good for the new Dems. They have a stance. They're presenting a point of view, okay? And still at TV One, Torben cannot win with Alex. What When he does what he says, uh, then the others complain and he gets in trouble uh, with Alex again, even though he only echoed Alex's words and upheld Alex's decision. And then he kind of abuses Torben a bit verbally you know and like emotionally i think a little bit he pushes him around he's a bully mm -hmm. torben rightly points out that he uses alex's own expression and alex says what i say to you confidentially and what you give as a reason are two different things and he implies that torben should know better but maybe alex should also know better this is bad management um it makes alex tell torben he has to work in his leadership style but alex is really the problem Though we don't know of Torben, uh, we do know of Torben's flaws. I feel like he's being picked on, and Torben is like upset by this, obviously. And then um, with Katrine and Casper, there's a little bit of stuff going on with them in the background. Um, they continue their co-parenting. Casper has shaved his head. 
which is kind of funny. I'm, I'm assuming this was for another role that Pilo Azbeck was doing at the time. I know he was doing Game of Thrones around this time, so maybe it had something to do with that. Um, he had to shave his head after Gustav accidentally cuts his hair off while he's asleep on the floor playing with him. Why you go to sleep with a kid with, don't leave a kid with scissors, naughty, naughty. <laughs> anyway, um, or that will happen to you. So we see Casper's apartment, another beautiful loft style with loads of windows. And like I said, they must have great windows in Denmark to have that much glass in a relatively cold climate. I am so jealous of this apartment. I just, I just love it. Um, Katrine has to worry about Gustav. He has an ear infection in the next scene. So she's managing her work and a sick baby and her, and Casper. And Casper is pretty involved with it as a dad, but not a super central character. They seem to support each other as parents, as friends and professionals. But of course, there's the whole, are they, aren't they thing going on, especially when Casper falls asleep there. He ends up kind of, he ends up hanging out at with with Katrine. They eat dinner together and they drink wine and he kind of falls asleep at her house. And, you know, when he wakes up, it's all kind of awkward and like, oh, I shouldn't have maybe done that. And it might be confusing. And, you know, he doesn't seem, he, he doesn't seem like, he wants to go that way with Katrine, but Katrine kind of wants to go that way with him. She, it, it seems like she's hanging on to the hope that something will pick back up with them. There it is, Nadia Barzani. I wrote it down, just not where I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> they watch, they, they watch when Casper falls asleep there, it's from when they watch her on the business program that Torben got criticized for. Um, and, uh, I have here, she's potentially a good person to speak for diversity for the new Dems, which is fine. Um, and it's Katrine who alerts uh, Brigitte to her. Um, and then we have a scene where Katrine's home alone and Gustav is with dad and she starts to feel a bit lonely for Casper after he slept over by accident. She calls and asks Casper if he needs any help because you know he's got an ear infection and like it's easier with two of them. And Casper's like, no, nah, he doesn't want Gustav to get too used to the two of them being together all the time. So his feelings are out of sync with hers as usual. Um, and Katrine tells Brigitte a little bit about childcare stuff with Casper, that it's tough when Gustav is sick and also that it's complicated with Casper. No kidding. I'm pretty sure Brigitte knows how complicated it can be with Casper. <laughs> She's put up with their relationship for how long now? So... She tells Katrine one of his great assets as a spin doctor was his straight face and that no one can really know what he means sometimes. She kind of warns her that this makes people think he thinks the same way as they do when he doesn't actually, which is kind of interesting and something to remember about Casper. Like he can present that very public, agreeable face, but have his own agenda running in the background. So Katrine... Um, realizes at some point with Gustav that uh, she has forgotten to pack the antibiotics uh, when she sent Casper or sent Gustav over to Casper's. And so she goes over to his place and lets herself in and she snoops around a little, which she should not do. And she finds this really nice coral colored bra. That's a really nice bra. And a nice some color. makeup. Yeah, it totally is a nice color. I love that color. Um, she finds that on the floor, kind of under the bed, along with like 
some makeup and makeup brushes. And this disconcerts her. And she acts weird when Casper returns home. And she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? I realized there weren't any antibiotics. So I went and got some. Casper is acting really normal. He's like, oh, do you want something to eat? He has a way better handle on things than she does because his emotions aren't attached to her anymore. Right. You know, and we see, yeah, it makes it easier, but like it's causing this conflict with Katrine. And like, seriously, by this point, has she not figured this out yet? I mean, really, she has not figured this out yet. Casper is not a good investment as a partner. As a dad, yes. As a Mm co-parent, maybe. Like that is fortunate that it worked out like that considering his history and the fact that he didn't want kids because of his own personal traumas and everything that we learned about in the last season. But like why she's still attached to him, I really couldn't say. But we'll go into detail on that on the bonus we do about her. Yeah. And that's episode three. That's how it goes. Which, and I like this one. I'm I'm really enjoying seeing the party kind of come together and the, the different ways they talk about it. And I'm very excited about the character of Nadia because she's so superior to their opinions of like people of color in the right shade of brown. But even the way she carries herself, like I really like Nadia. Like she's very poised and graceful, very intelligent. Yeah. And she's, she's just like above them. Like when I hear Katrina Nette with all these microaggressions, I'm just like, yeah, they sound so dumb. They sound so dumb. And you get a woman in the, in your broom closet conference room, like Nadia is in your broom closet conference room. Because what she's saying is actually true. And maybe a lot of women or people of color might think she's selling them out, but I don't think so. You can be a woman of color and call out things that may not be advantageous to your group you know what I mean like fair is fair she's not being swayed by oh I'm of Pakistani descent therefore all Pakistani people are perfect the way Hesselbo says that in the last episode we talked about episode Mm -hmm. um two was was my episode in the last recording well Hesebo stands up and he's like oh well we need to nip this immigration problem in the bud because they're they the immigrants are causing problems whereas Nadia can reflect on her own community and say no it's problematic most people there are some people who cause problems yeah exactly so I really really like her and I'm excited that she she is on power and glory as well yeah, and her point of view is more realistic, actually, than Hesselbo's. Like, she's saying there's a segment of the population like this yeah. who live in the Middle Ages. But also, like, there's a segment of the white population who are like that, too. Yeah. You know? And that's what I'm saying. And I think it's because of her color, it makes her more acutely aware of not making blanket statements. Yeah. Right. But to say the facts that, yes, you're right on this. No, it's not going to work. This is problematic. Yes, Pakistani people are problematic in this area. Like she's not taking sides, which I like. Yeah. 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 She's more realistic. I I really like that character. And it's too bad she didn't get to be on TV one. If she'd only said that the economic situation was going to take an upturn and like people should spend more money, she would have had a job there. But she wasn't going to lie just for... Alex. No, but that's another reason we like her, right? Because she's yeah. not going to bend her principles to get a job. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly, exactly. So that brings us into the lead-in into episode four. Yeah. Does it not? That's your episode. It's my And this episode. is the one 
where there will be some discussion of animal cruelty and like animals raised in agriculture. And if you're not comfortable with that, you can switch off here. Yep. And you can join us on the next episode. Uh, we'd love to have you back, but understand if uh, topics of animal cruelty are sensitive towards you or you're sensitive towards that. So I'm I, I, I'm a little sensitive about it myself, in fact. Well, I was actually very cringe when I when I uh, yeah. watched it and actually sort of toned down some of the language for this recording because I don't I don't want to I don't need to repeat what Sven says. No, nobody needs to spend you know all I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody needs to repeat what he says. Exactly. So here we are, episode uh, four. So it opens up with Brigitte and Jeremy out for dinner, and he asks her if people will want to know who is that dark stranger that that she's out with, and she says no one cares. And a few minutes later, she he throws up because, yeah. of course, he had got, they've gone to this restaurant eating this uh, this meal with pork and it didn't sit right with him and he he threw up and that was captured by you know people yeah filming on Brigitte on their phones yeah he throws up on Brigitte yeah so um it's she totally captured. handles it she she's like you can tell she's a mom she's like oh are you puking you're puking on me okay don't worry it's fine yeah. we'll take care of it it'll be okay yeah. that's right so yeah. she she they're in that restaurant you know their photos are taken videos are taken it's gone up on YouTube we know that uh, the next scene is Katrine. She wakes up in her mother's house. So she's gone home to where the mother lives and the brother is there and they talk in the morning and he tells her that their mother is worried about them, worried about Katrine. And as we know, I, in yeah, I'm not sure if it's her mom's house, but it's definitely her brother's house. But I'm not sure if mom lives there. I, I got the feeling. That... Actually, I don't I don't know. That was my presumption. I shouldn't have made yeah. that. So let's say the brother's house. Yeah, because he mentions that he's married and has kids. Later, yeah, so. Or unless he lived, yeah. they all live with the mom. But anyways, it's a minor point. But yeah, he sorry. tells her that, you know, mom is worried about you. And of course, in my episode before, um, in, in uh, episode two, we know they had a big fight with each other, right? Because the mother thinks Katrina is not being a grown up and shirking her responsibilities of being a mother. And they have a big fight and Katrina asks her to leave. So anyways, um, so the brother's asking her, you know, mom is worried about you. Is there a boyfriend in the picture? He comes across as gentle and supportive to her and seems as though they have a really nice bond. The next mm -hmm. scene, Katrina is uh, getting out of a cab. Her time away in the country with the brother has come to an end. She turns her phone back on and she receives multiple messages from Casper. They speak on the phone and he tells her that he thought that they agreed uh, agreed that they would message each other and check in on each other regarding Gustav. And she gets all snippy and tells him uh, she was in the country uh, and that she turned her phone off and she said, legally, she's within her rights. And he's a bit flabbergasted and asks her legally. And yeah. I think Katrina's in the wrong here. I mean, I know totally. it sounds as though I'm really bashing just... Katrine in these recordings, but I don't know. I really, really liked her in season one and two, but to get to yeah, make she's kind of losing the him, plot. Yeah. And like, she's just saying that because she's jealous because she found that nice bra in his house. Which yeah, she shouldn't she, have been looking for. She shouldn't have been looking for. It's none. It's none of. It's her none of her business. You yeah. know. So I I say here in my comment here that you know she's in the wrong because they are not a couple and he can date and hook up with whomever he wants. Just yeah, like so she can she date and hook up with whomever she wants. And in the last episode, we saw her hooking up with Alex at TV One. You let's not forget about that. So what would Casper have said about that? Does Casper have a right to comment on that? Not really. Yeah. Whatever happened to Ben, the gym guy? He was nice. He was anyway. nice. 
maybe he got another job and is not working at uh, the TV one gym. Anymore. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so Katrine turns her head to see the headlines uh, in today's newspaper from last night, Nyborg's Newborg's new boyfriend, you make me puke. And I put how, you know, it's a catchy title to sell the newspapers, right? Yeah. And it also, there's another headline. I just can't keep it down, which is a double entendre, of course, oh. <laughs> which I kind of like, I was like, that's really funny. <laughs> I know. It's funny. You know, if it sells the newspaper, why not? So yeah, it's um, Logason's paper. It's the express. Oh yeah. So extra, <laughs> you know, yep. so Brigitte goes to visit Jeremy, who's in the hospital. And he says that the Danish healthcare system is very thorough. And he smiles at her and tells her that, that she did a good job. Yeah. She, she tells him that she thought it was just food poisoning. And he says, it's a bit more complicated than that. It turns out that he's allergic to antibiotics. And so she asks him, why is he taking antibiotics if he's allergic? Um, and so he said that uh, the pig was uh, it was apparently antibiotics in the roast pork. And he said that the pig was injected with an oil-based antibiotic and it's hardly used anymore and must have been a, must have been slaughtered before the quarantine period for the medicated animal to fully, had fully expire, for the medication, the animal to fully expire. Um, this is the kind of thing that hardly happens. And when it did, it was in the sixties. And because of this, Jeremy's trip is going to be extended because he's here in mm -hmm. Copenhagen to give some some lectures and she tells him that she's gonna she sent his clothes to the dry cleaners and that she'll pick him up tomorrow um and drop him to his hotel to recover so um Brigitte heads to the party headquarters after that and fills on the team of what's happening to Jeremy or what's happened to him and Katrina says you'll have to vote on a bill tomorrow you'll have to vote on a bill about reducing inspections he nearly died yeah. because of lack of inspections and we can use that although a unique case Fewer inspections would mean more cases. So Brigitte goes on TV One to talk about what happens and to address the stories and coverage in the press uh, is giving about Jeremy over this. Brigitte is on camera and says, the issue is the way we produce pork in Denmark and the amount of penicillin apparently necessary. Now the government wants to ease the regulations for pig farmers and let them choose how to medicate the animals without asking if it is how we want to produce pork in this country. As I see it, we have been pushing, we have pushed pig farming beyond limits. The government clearly thinks that the law is there to protect the industry, but it should protect the consumers. The next scene, we're at Katrine's apartment and Casper comes over. Gustav is at the babysitter's house and he tells Katrine that they're not communicating. You are cold and distant. And said, we said we would text about how Gustav is doing, whether it was a photo or a text from you, but I don't hear anything. And she goes on to tell him, well, we're separated, Casper. And he says, well, we still have an agreement. And I think that yeah. you're forgetting this and that it affects Gustav, which I 100% agree with him. Totally. Right. Yeah. He's completely in the right. Absolutely. And so she asks him, how does it affect him being looked after by your new girlfriend? Casper tells her that he does not have a girlfriend and that is someone, this is someone that he's casually seeing when Gustav is not around. This make makes Katrine blow her top and she gets angry and yells at him. You can't go around behaving like a effing teenager. So she swears, uses the F word. You are the father to a little boy. He tells her that they should she not have the also, keys. Also kind of right. Also kind of right. But if he's doing that when uh, Gustav's not around, then it's okay, in my opinion. Yeah. And like, 
also, you know, you know, he says, have you, were you going through my, were you going through my stuff? You shouldn't have done that. And that's true. You know, that is true. Right. To be annoyed about that. But like, so she let's, let's just turn the table on Katrine for a second and say, she hooked up with Alex. Yuck. Yeah. She hooked up with Alex when Gustav was not there. So why can't, why can't Casper hook up with someone when Gustav is not there? Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's the so same. Thing. He tells her now that we should not have keys to each other's apartments and they give the, each other back their keys and he leaves and she starts crying um, at home at Brigitte's flat, as you talked about, this cheaper flat, which is above a pizzeria, which I got really jealous because I would love to live above a pizzeria. <laughs> oh, totally. We bet it would smell really good. Yes. And I can go down for yeah. pizza all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Go down in my pajamas or something for pizza. Anyway, so yeah. Laura's asking if they will meet Jeremy and Brigitte says unlikely because he's leaving soon. And Laura says, well, it's weird to read about him on the Express, which is as you said, Lagasin's tabloid. And we see YouTube clips of him throwing up all over our mom, but we have not met him yet. And Magnus makes a funny yeah. joke to say, I don't want to meet him. What if he throws up on us too? I know, it's just so funny. I know, it's so and funny. And Brigitte laughs, like they all laugh. Yeah. They're not yeah. laughing at Jeremy. They're they're laughing at, you know, the, the, the situation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Magnus is adorable. I, I really love seeing him again in this episode. Grown up a bit. We could see he's grown a bit since episode yep. two. Um, yeah, and, and Laura's really cool here. She's like, well, I think we should meet him. Like, he seems nice. Yeah, you, you know? can see she's... And it's nice to see her... Uh, better balanced in this yeah. season that she's you know not going through those horrible things she went through in season in season two yeah covered and she seems more balanced and happy which is really really nice to see and you know of course we always say what a great actress that that uh girl is that plays laura yeah she's so good i think now i think she does costume design so she's still involved in showbiz but like yeah it's and really she has she has a couple small scenes in Power yeah. and Glory, so we'll yep. have she a does. snapshot of her again in Power and Glory. Um, and then she makes a joke and says, "Well, she comes out. Laura comes out straight and asks her if they are dating or not." And Brigitte says, "No." And Laura says, "Well, no need to be ashamed of him. He looks cute." Yeah, and so. she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, she's not wrong. Okay, so at the hospital the next day, Brigitte goes to pick Jeremy up and she asks him how his children took the news. And he said that they thought it was funny and they asked lots of questions about the incident and about Brigitte. And he thinks mm -hmm. that they want to meet Brigitte. And she says that that's sweet and that uh, he's not completely recovered yet, meaning it would be, since he's not completely recovered yet, it would be better for her him to stay at her house because um, the children are away at Phillips, right? Yeah. So again, another example of your ex-partner doesn't have a right to tell you who to bring over when the kids are not there. Yeah. But Brigitte is now going to bring Jeremy over to help him recover and get back to normal. Yeah. And actually, it's almost a little bit more important because the kids are older. They're going to be able to process what's going on a lot faster than like yes. a little guy. A little and and that is a conversation. Are they going to meet Jeremy? So it's, it's all good, you know? Yeah. So at parliament, Simon from TV one is trying to get a comment from Hasselbo. Simon says to him, Brigitte Newborg says you're protecting the pig breeders. 
Does the PM have a comment? And Hesselbo responds, Brigitte Newborg is not a member of parliament, but, but three independents may express their videos to the house. That's how parliamentary democracy works, doesn't it? Hesselbo is careful not to name Brigitte's party on air, which mm -hmm. we will come back to later on towards the end of this episode. Um, Simon runs into Svandage Saltum and asks, what do you say to Nyborg's comments on Newborg's comments on animal welfare? And Sven says, I see her comments as a classical example of how ignorant third parties are suddenly shocked by the realities of Danish agriculture, but she would perhaps have all the pigs die of disease than fulfill them. The function intended is, is for them to start with. The new Democrat at the new Democrat headquarters, they are they are talking among themselves after seeing Simon's interview, and they say that Saltum has a pig farm himself, and they mm -hmm. talk about and the talk about agriculture winds them up. Um, they decide that Jan should he's discuss. He's very easy to wind up, I must say. He is, yeah. because if things are not his way, he's he can't, you know, so reactive side of yeah. Um, and he's very, I mean, to me, that's like a sign of a very insecure person, right? If you can't well, have obviously. a conversation from another angle without feeling attacked. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think people of that sort of party, that's how they build their, that's how they, yeah, you their know, base. That's right. So um, they decide that Jan should discuss with Sven because he's a gay vegetarian. Just, <laughs> just the people that spend would not see eye to eye on. At the parliament, Jan brings to light the harsh conditions of the pigs live under, among uh, other things. And it's when Sven, when Sven's turn to speak up, he says, perhaps Jan Bertelsen just can't take the heat of the slaughterhouse. After all, he has already come out of the closet and revealed himself to be a vegetarian. So what makes yeah. us think we should, we should take him seriously when he pontificates about the way we produce pigs. We produce pigs for one purpose, to get them out to the consumer. And I have, and I have left out graphic details as Sven says, because mm -hmm. we don't need to repeat them here on this uh, podcast. Um, yeah, so so that's it. So he he takes a dig at Jan to say he's come out of the closet to reveal himself as a vegetarian and has revealed himself as a vegetarian. Yeah, and there's another microaggression that Jan just kind of laughs off. He's like, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. And Sven Dogget, what are you gonna do, Sven Dogget? Yeah, like and again, like that actor was so good in that role. It must be he's like one of my favorite TV villains of all time. Oh, he was he's so just good. so awful. Yeah. He was I hope so in real good. life he was super nice. I hope he was super nice. He's no longer with us. I mean, he did pass away, but like, I'd love to watch his other work. Oh, he I did an excellent it. job of this role. Like, it just yeah, it was me. so. Good. I feel so involved when I watch him. Like, I feel so emotional when I watch him. I'm just like, oh, but what you're saying is so awful. Yeah, and what he does is so awful, and it's like, but like, it must have been so much fun to play a role like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so next at the new Democrat headquarters, uh, Brigitte commends Jan for doing a great job at Parliament and said that this is Saltum's area of expertise. Pig farming is his home turf to uh, uh, and to poke him where it really hurts. I need yeah. to know more, says Brigitte. So Katrine takes Brigitte home to the brother's house where she meets Katrine's brother and Katrine tells him that legislation cut back inspections and it gives the pig industry free reign to do whatever they want and Brigitte does not think this is a good idea and that's why she's here to learn about the industry from the brother so the brother gives them a tour and says that in Denmark we destroy 25,000 piglets a day 
we breed sows so uh, to have sow sorry we breed <laughs> yeah. sows to have as many piglets as possible the sows have litters that are far far too big and he tells them that they do not eat those pigs he, they only eat the ones that he only eats the ones that are back in the pen who run freely um as we see in the tour later on and who are not living in crammed up spaces and the brother makes katrine promise that she will not leak any of this information out and told her and to tell Brigitte because it is confidential and that yeah. he would get a lot of heat from his colleagues they are un, who are under pressure and he does not want them to know that he had leaked out or seen as a snitch. Yeah, and and part of the issue with his pork production is that like consumer demand is high, people don't want to pay too much for meat, but like producing that quantity of meat it requires an industrial approach and industrial approaches and animal welfare do not match. They mm -hmm. just are incompatible concepts. Right. And Sven Dage starts talking about the pigs at some point in this episode as a product. Right. And, um, you know, the other side is, well, they're not a product. They're, they're sentient beings. Actually pigs are very smart. <laughs> and, uh, being living in Turkey, I do not come across pork meat very often. You can get pork here. It's not banned. It's not illegal. There are small producers who specialize in it. You can special order pork products here from a company called Istanbul, which I think is a really clever name. Um, and people do that at Christmas and special occasions and stuff. But like, it's, it, I mean, as a person, I'm a semi-vegetarian person. As you know, I'm like, you know, not a huge meat eater. So this was a really interesting episode to watch. And I'm, I'm glad they addressed it, actually. It must be a, an issue in Denmark. It must have come up at some point. Yeah. Okay, so over to TV1, on where, where Ulrich is live on TV. And he says, the debate on the new pig breeding bill is in full swing in the house, but it really kicked off yesterday. And thanks, Brigitte Nyborg. Newborg, sorry, Newborg's supper out. They bring Brigitte live on screen and Ulrich asks her, what's your problem with the Danish pig production? And she says, we have moved a long way from nature. Quality and animal welfare are apparently issues to be avoided. Mm -hmm. The industry knows that it is not photogenic. Although we have a highly efficient industry, we are often sold a very different version when we shop for its products. Then we are told the story of the old farm when the Danish flag fl is flying above and billowing wheat fields in a long way, in a long way from reality. So she's saying like there's this picturesque, you know, mm -hmm. ideal, you know, I guess the, the optics of it look ideal. Yeah, um, the like the like pure Danish countryside farmer. That's right. Patriotic kind of thing. It's the same image. She says it's the same image that the Freedom Party uses to sell its policy. Oh, my gosh. We're so in sync. That was my next line to say. Next line. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I, that one. I remembered very distinctly. That's right. That's that's what she says. And um, Ulrich says that the Freedom Party does not wish to appear tonight. And she says, no. Why discuss a bill for which there is already a majority? So the next thing now we're in the control room and Pia Torben and their colleague, they're watching the interview um, with Sven Dage, uh, who's he's giving. And Sven says, we certainly don't mind showing people how to get things done in Denmark today. Um, and then we proceed to see uh, a clip on TV of uh, clipping a bit of the, 
the tail off a pig and he has no sensitivity or regards towards them. And I'll, like I said, I'll spare you the details and move on. Um, and Torben's yeah. wheels are turning as he says. And that this. tail clipping is legally allowed. Mm-hmm. So Torben's wheels are, are turning and he says to run the clip in front of the MPs because Hesselbo, who is the current PM, will have to comment. Yeah. So my comment to this is that I think it's an it, as an audience member, it's very interesting insight into how the media selects which clips to run and what times of the day to run it. It's it's sort of a way to utilize the demographics watching to get a reaction, right? Yeah. Um, so this would be the after work crowd that comes home from a day's work or the university students coming home. So he wants to run it on the six o'clock news when the viewership is probably at the highest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So Katrina's talking to Ulrich and down the hall, they see Casper and a woman walking, looking very friendly together. Katrina can't help but to take a look and ask Ulrich about when Casper and this when this when Casper and this woman are out of sight, uh, asks about it. And, and um, Ulrich doesn't really give a response because he doesn't know. And uh, Ulrich then invites Katrina out for a drink for old time's sake, he says. The scene doesn't changes. Ulrich doesn't Ulrich say something about like, oh, I, I don't keep track of his women. Maybe he does. I didn't, I didn't. Something implying that. like there's too many of them for him to bother knowing which one's which. Yeah. Or That's maybe the feeling for, I got out of it. Or maybe for Ulrich, it's, um, it's kind of a sore spot for him. Like if Ulrich is having yeah. a hard time meeting a woman or dating a woman or something like that, and he sees Casper constantly with a new woman, it could be a sore spot for Ulrich too. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he does say that as to say, as to insinuate there are lots of women with Casper. And then he's flirting with Katrine a little bit. Mm. Yeah, so maybe oh. he's trying to, you know, see what will happen there. Um, good choice, good, Ulrich. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> I don't know. Good choice. Um, for him, yes. For him, yeah, because Katrine is a rock star. Yeah, professionally I mean, speaking, she's a rock star. Everyone wants to hire her. She's got the best reputation. Ulrich's is, yeah, and Ulrich's a step up from Alex. Oh my God, Ulrich! Even though I don't really care for Alex or for yeah, Ulrich, he for is Ulrich like either. But he's a still a step up from. Oh Alex. yeah, he's uh, Ulrich is like boyfriend material besides Al beside Alex. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So next scene, Katrine goes to the daycare unexpectedly to go pick up Gustav after day after after the. Uh, work day and she asks the daycare people what time does Gustav or what time does Casper usually go to pick Gustav up and you know the daycare person says well sometimes Steen helps with that which I didn't know that that was allowed like if you have your child in daycare to have an unauthorized person go pick your child up I don't know if that happens now in daycares like I would think there's some sort of list that both parents would have to approve of yeah maybe yeah i don't know i don't know in those kinds of cases but in this case she was i guess the daycare person isn't just recently said steen helps yeah and katrine knows who that is isn't it like their nanny i don't know doesn't he say doesn't casper say he hires like a helper something there's something about that i can't i i now. don't know but i think maybe not because if it was the nanny then who cares yeah, yeah, yeah. The nanny yeah. would be expected to go. Well, because because Casper's sleeping with her. <laughs> well, she's Which that. She shouldn't. She, her wheels are turning, and maybe she's you yeah. know having all these crazy thoughts. We don't know who the bra belonged to, right? 
Yeah, we don't. It's never revealed. So um, over to Parliament, where Simon is interviewing Bened Benedicta, Benedict, Benedict, Benedicta, yeah, Benedicta, about the clip where with Sven and the pigs, and she watches it and says that such systematic abuse of the innocent creatures must stop immediately. Simon points out to her that <laughs> it is her own chairman, Sven. And he is the one there trimming off these tails. And she covers it up by saying that Svend is under a witch hunt. It's a relentless persecution towards him. So Ulrich shows the clips of, of Jan from the New Democrats talking. And he says, the pig, the, the, the Danish pig production is a vital industry. The New Democrats will not be making unrealistic animal welfare demands. Brigitte is watching all this on TV while Jeremy is preparing dinner in the kitchen. Hesselbo is interviewed and says, I can't comment on the animal welfare and the Freedom Party. Uh, she turns to Jeremy politely and apologizes and tells him that she has to translate to English, right? And she says that um, this is the news, this is that she can't like, this is the news that she has to watch now. She can't be distracted by him in the dinner at the moment. And she's translating a bit of what's mm -hmm. happening, what she's watching on the news. And uh, he smiles and says, uh, news I don't understand. Um, and so Hesselbo says Danish pig production must come must continue, but I find the recent debate highly unnecessary and very shrill. Brigitte is getting exasperated at the TV, and Hesselbo and Jeremy tells her that she worries too much. To which she responds, "Oh, am I? I am the leader of a party that no one knows exists. We can't even get him to recognize us. He hasn't mentioned our name. People need to know that we are a real political party now." And I think. Jeremy was very innocent in saying this, right? I mean, this is the woman he cares for. He doesn't want to see her stressed out. And he was just trying to say, you know, maybe you worry too much. Um, yeah. I think he was just trying to calm her down, but he doesn't understand the nuances. Because like we said earlier on, he's not a Danish citizen who lives there. He doesn't yeah. get the full picture, right? Um, so he reads the room. He gracefully switches the conversation. He says that he's noticed there's a lot of conversation and news now, but what seems to be what seems like a coincidence around the time he was ill. And Rugita tells him that he might have to get used to it politically and completely exploited it with a with a with a laugh and a smile. Um, yeah. Their evening seems really sweet together. They seem very relaxed and in sync, and they acknowledge that they acknowledge that they are a couple eating dinner in front of the TV and they start getting cozy and Jeremy tells her playfully and now we have to have sex and she play she's playful back and innocently asks oh is that so and he says I wanted to f you at the at the <laughs> hospital but it didn't seem appropriate and and they both laugh so that's <laughs> that's really nice I like I like seeing that um that aspect of Brigitte's life now so at, at TV one and we're getting I think towards a few of the end end scenes now at TV one Pia calls Torben aside and says they have an email from Alex and that Alex is chewing Torben out for showing the spend slash piglet content on the news and Torben uh, had not considered that children might be watching. And I think, uh, quote, we don't we don't show violence against animals while people are having dinner. Um, and I think Alex is right, but I will come back to why I think Alex is right, because yeah. I think- I kind of agree with that too. At that there point. should have been a sensitivity warning. Yeah. Okay. Um, I see what Torben wanted to do was to pit the politicians against each other by putting this very, you know, graphic, graphic scene, video yeah. up to get a reaction, right? Um, which was smart because it stirs the pot, but um, there should have been a sensitivity warning before Ulrich started talking about this 
And again, mm-hmm. just as about they were they were going to roll this spend footage, um, Torben tells Pia that Alex has no right to interfere and that this is my decision. The next scene, we see Casper going to Katrine's apartment. He's mad because Katrine is not picking up her phone, and this is why he came over. He wanted to ask her why is she not picking up her phone on Gustav uh, on one of one of the like one of the well every day they agree that they're going to check in with each other. Anyways, they have a fight. He wants to take Gustav because it is still his day. So this is Gustav's day, but Gustav and because she picked him up at the daycare, remember, and mm-hmm. took him back to her place, and he fell yep. asleep. And Casper is getting mad, like this is my day. He wants to take him and Katrine says, no, he's sleeping. Um, And she tells him she does not want, he does not want Gustav when Gustav is awake. And he asks her uh, if she wants uh, a judge to determine custody. And then he walks out. Yeah. Um, He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. She was completely, she should not have done that. That goes against their agreement completely. It's totally unfair. No, but when you have feelings of love for someone, perhaps, that you can't keep in check and you allow your emotions to go astray. That girl needs a therapist. (laughs) Or a good friend. I mean, that's another thing we talked about in this whole series that we don't see any of these characters with friends. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see anybody with hanging out with a friend. When Brigitte was going through the divorce crisis, she had no friend to talk to, except Ben, yeah. which is very, a very valid friend, but she had no female friend to talk to. Yeah, Philip that's outside no, of the... No friend works. to talk to yeah. when his marriage was crumbling. And now Katrina... Not that we see. Not that we see. And Katrina's yeah. life is like a bit of a mess now, and she, she has no one to talk to, right? So Yeah. Anyways, at the new moderates headquarters, the team is looking at the recent news clip that Sven gave where he says, where he tells it like it is. He follows the law to the letter. And if people can't handle it, they should stick to eating celery burgers the next time they're in the supermarket. (laughs) He says his party has fought the same campaign for 20 years, and that's the policy the Danes want. Katrine's older brother calls her and tells her that Sven breaks a lot of rules. He is yeah. receiving a lot of warnings and threats against his farm. This is Sven's farm or his farm. She thinks that it will be interesting information and she calls to tip Torben off. Katrine goes to see Brigitte to tell her that TV One is going to pick up the pig farming story. And she asked Brigitte for the number of the lawyer that she used, that Brigitte used when she was getting divorced. And Brigitte listens to Katrine's brief summary and gently cuts her off, asking Katrine, is Gustav fed, dressed? rested happy katrine pauses and brigitte tells her that uh that is all that matters quote mixing your own hurt feelings up with the way you share your son doesn't lead to anything good trust me brigitte yeah. and ben are guests on the yule and freeze show they are live on air and brigitte says that pig farming should be focusing on quality versus quantity sven says that Danish pork exports earn billions of kroner for Dan- for Denmark year after year. He gets all animated and exasperated and looks at Brigitte and says to her, how does Brigitte Newborg think Denmark can do without pigs? She says that they need to do better. And he says, not everyone can afford a 250 kroner rib roast. Yeah. He says, in the last 50 years, the Danes have doubled their meat consumption, yet they want lower prices. If we expect to only pay 18 kroner per pound of pork roast, then we force Svendage and other pig breeders to produce pigs that have been destroyed because they are too weak. 
Brigitte mm -hmm. points out that there are 9 million pigs that are thrown away because we produce too many. Is that good enough? Brigitte then goes on to say that she knows a farmer and she names the area that Katrine's brother lives in. She yeah. says he does not eat the pigs that he produces, um, except ones that are like off to the side, right? And Sven is losing his cool and he says, we produce garbage because that's what people prefer to eat. It's and so I bad. It's laughed. so bad. Well, I kind of laughed because he he makes these outbursts, right? Which are which are comical, and yeah. he gets himself in trouble because he can't control his his words. Right? Yes. Um, so Benedicta is being interviewed at Parliament, and Spend is, and so Benedicta, of course, and Spend are in the same party, right? The Freedom Party. Yep. So she's being interviewed, and she's got to do some damage control now because of what he's just said. And he's mm. in the background mopping his brow from sweating. Um, yeah, because he gets sweaty when he's upset. Very intense, right? And Benedicta says. The political debate over the last few days in animal welfare has inspired debate within the party, but everyone in the group is now in line with our official policy. We need to speak for the animals. We demand an immediate ban on tail docking and creation of a special police force whose duty is will be the enforcement of animal protection law. And then she excuses herself and Sven says, if you excuse us, or and then she she um, excuses herself by saying we're off to meet the liberals and the reporters mm -hmm. are trying to get a comment from Sven and he says no comment. So um, the TV yeah. one team they're standing around the table in a huddle and Ulrich says the liberals won't agree. Uh, Niedergaard, who's the who's Benedicta, won't budge. Torben says to get a quote from Lars Hesselbo. Alex comes to join them and asks Torben in front of everyone, "Didn't I recommend you to refrain from using that piglet clip?" Pia looks uncomfortable as she looks at Torben and Torben says he did use it and it must be difficult for children to watch, but Torben, he, Torben deemed it mm -hmm. necessary for this story and he has no problem showing it again on the Eulenfries and then again at the 11, at 10.30 p.m. news. And Alex takes a breath and says, is it good TV to show an old man abusing innocent creatures? And Torben says, I am the head of the news, Alex. I decide that's my job. And as Alex walks away, we see Pia saying, way to go, Torben. Um, and then now over back over at the New Democrats um, uh, headquarters, apparently Benedicta has left the Hessebo meeting with him, with, with Hessebo shouting. She knew that Hessebo would never accept her demands. Brigitte thinks uh, she will give in because she has nothing to gain otherwise. Jan gets off the phone and says that Hessebo wants the moderates to make a deal to cut out the Freedom Party. Hesebo then calls Brigitte uh, and wants to talk. She tells him that um, she tells him to refer to their party name. She agrees to meet him later in the afternoon. Refer to them by their party name. She agrees to meet yep. with him later in the afternoon. She's thinking strategically and says it should be just her and Jan to meet Hesebo to show that they are a party and not just a handful of people, a handful yeah. of independents. They meet Hesselbo at Parliament, and Hesselbo says, uh, I won't let their little amendment on the law on pork production get more attention than it deserves. Brigitte says to Hesselbo, I understand that you have already talked to the moderates. And Jan says, I suppose you'll expect Jacob Cruz to emerge hand in hand with you. And now you're presented harsher penalties for any farmers who do get caught, despite the less restrictive inspections. Maybe throw a million or two for the organic farmers. Hesebo says something along those lines. Brigitte says there must be no doubt that when we think Danish pig breeding as it is today is unsustainable. Lars says, yes, 
We can't put that into our bill. And Brigitte says, I realize that, Lars. We want an independent commission to see how bad things are and to see how much it would cost for the whole industry to convert to a greener, more ethical, more quality-minded method. Lars asked her if there's anything else she wants. And she says, she says, you must admit that this deal is not just with the moderates and a couple of independents, but what the new Democrats refer to us as a party. We will emerge from our talks side by side. Our name must not, our name must be used in the press release. We want to be credited with setting up the commission too. And Heslabo mm -hmm. asks, she says a kind word from the PM would be appreciated as well, she says with a smile. So they emerge from this conference room meeting, right? And they're greeted with a yeah. large number of reporters and Hesselbo addresses them and says, well, we have all agreed on a compromise that we will immediately benefit from an import, from an important export industry. And there will, there will also save public funds. I am grateful to the parties who have made this deal. We're going to set up a commission to examine the Danish pork production. This was a splendid initiative based on a proposal by the New Democrats. So the scene yeah. cuts now, and it's Ulrich who is reporting from TV1 um, to say that the New Democrats have now put themselves on the political map. And towards the end of the episode now, Pia, Ulrich, and Torben have a scene, and Ulrich asked Torben to remove his disgusting pork container from the fridge because they're all past oh, yeah. the expiration date because he has to, he's on food duty, right, for his kids. Yeah. Wife put him yeah. on he just got to go pick up groceries and all that, right? But he's left because he's been so busy and I guess upset with the whole Alex situation. He's forgotten about it. So Ulrich is like, can you take your stuff out of the uh, fridge? No one else can put their food in. So as Ulrich is leaving, Torben says to him um, that he did a great show tonight. Ulrich leaves and Torben asks Pia what's up with Ulrich and Alex as if they are friends and they seem close. And Pia says they play squash together. So Torben sarcastically says, which made me laugh out loud, oh, so they shower together. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. <laughs> goes on to say, thank you to Torben. And it's nice to have the old boss back. When you act yeah. like you did today, it makes us proud of what we do. And Torben is actually humble. And he says, I try my best, but it is the whole news desk. She interrupts yeah. him. She throws her arms around his neck and hugs him um, in a long hug. And then they kiss. Way too long. Way too yeah, long. And then they kiss. I was writing on my notes. Wait, this is way too long. Um, yeah. And then they kiss. They pull apart slowly and it's a bit awkward. Both are silent. Torben slowly goes back and looks at some papers, not knowing where to look or what to do, right? Yeah. Um, the phone beeps and, and Pia can see that some messages just come through from Alex. And the message is, Torben, this is the last time you defy me in front of the staff. Otherwise, you'll have to consider, well, if you are still part of the team. Regards, yeah. Alex. So the scene changes to, this is the last couple of scenes now, the scene changes to Katrine. It's nighttime. She calls Casper. She leaves a message to say she's sorry and that Casper should pick Gustav up from the daycare tomorrow. Um, the next morning opens up. We are at Brigitte's house and Jeremy is ready there with his suitcase to leave. Her hair is freshly washed and still wet. She's reading the morning paper. He asks her what she's reading, what article she's reading. And she explains that um, you got recognition and the pigs at least get a com commission. Or, yeah. or he says <laughs> you got recognition and the pigs got a commission. Um, they have a nice, sweet goodbye before he leaves for the airport. And I like seeing Brigitte like this with a guy who's yeah. positive, wants to be spend his extra time with her, treats her well and celebrates her efforts uh, in this work as a party leader. And the very last scene, Katrina's going to the brother's house to see the brother. She's there. 
And as soon as he sees her, he asks her to leave. Uh, and he says he's really mad at her because Brigitte mentioned him by association, even though she mm -hmm. didn't use his name, she used his uh, geographic Location. region. So if you yeah. know the region and who the pig farmers are, you could deduce that this is a, this is Katrine's brother. Mm -hmm. um, he resents the position Brigitte put him in, and now he is involved. A neighbor farmer left a pig carcass in front of his property with a note to say, quote, from the farmers under pressure. He feels terrorized and asks Katrine what, they what he should tell his wife and kids. She looks shocked and she's lost for words. And she says she wanted the best. And he cuts her off and says, you wanted the best for yourself. And this is not the first time. Goodbye, Katrine. He turns around, walks away from her, leaving her standing there in shock. And that's how. Yeah. It and it's it's Katrine's fault for not being clear to Brigitte and expressly saying, please don't reveal anything that would identify my brother in public. She doesn't yes. do that. She and doesn't she do should it. have. Yeah. But Brigitte is trying she to says be... she will, but she doesn't. Right. And Brigitte is trying to be PC, but she's not, she doesn't know that this is a pressure point for Katrine's brother. Cause like you said, Katrine yeah. didn't say it. Yeah. 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 I'm like, Brigitte doesn't have the info to know that there might be backlash but that's what Katrine's brother was trying to express to her. Um, and um, yeah, Katrine dropped the ball and didn't mention it to Brigitte because she's so concerned about what Casper's doing. Right? Yeah. So like she was so wrapped up in like the whole thing with Casper, she kind of neglected that one point of her job, which was really actually quite important. Yeah. And she should have been more focused on her brother and less on what Casper was doing with whatever girlfriend. Exactly. So she's that. letting these personal matters that she's paying too much importance on take yeah. over. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So opening it up for a quick discussion, I've got some points for you, Amy. So uh, sure. Jan versus Hoxenhaven, both oh. gay politicians. So Jan seems so much more comfortable. I mean, he's out. He's out. So for the listeners that may just be tuning in to season three of our podcast, back in season two of our podcast, we did a bonus episode profiling Trolls Hoxenhaven, who was outed as a gay man, who was a politician who we know who was always gunning for Brigitte's position and trying to give her a hard time and yeah. trying to set her up so she'd look bad or whatever. And um, in that episode, Loggison actually takes some photographs, hires someone to take photographs of Hawks yep. and Haven in a compromising situation with a man in a in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, it doesn't go well for Hawks and Haven. He ends up committing suicide, I think, is the suggestion at the end. Yes. So Hawks and Haven was a gay man. And, and Brigitte tried to help him get on course and say, you know what? You need to own it. There's a lot of successful yeah. people. She tried to help him be a friend despite everything. Wasn't he still married? Was he, he was married? still married. He was married for like yeah. 13 years, I think the episode said. But to contrast Yon here, I- To a woman. I, to a woman. <clears throat> Excuse me, to contrast what you're saying here, I think Yon is handling it because he's much younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I mean, he might be a bit younger. He's not super young. If you look at his face, he's probably in his mid forties. I think he was about, I would put it maybe 10 years. Younger than Brigitte? Younger than Hesselbold. Yeah, oh, sorry, possibly. younger than trolls. trolls. Younger than trolls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe so. So he's more in control of. Uh, he's more confident. He's out. He's not pretending to be someone he is, and he's got nothing to hide. 
So it's not a big issue for him. Like he's like, like even when it's like, who's going to challenge uh, Sven Dage? He's like, well, I'm gay and a vegetarian. So the obviously me, you know, like yeah, he automatically see- accepts that role, which is, it's quite funny. That's, that's kind of humorous actually. It is funny, but it, it, it goes that, you know, they've come a, 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 a way, like a long way of how maybe a gay person in the workplace could, will be, would be treated. But also I think Jan has the confidence yeah. Because it is out, right? And it can't hurt him the way it hurt it hurt Hoxnaven. Exactly. He's not, yeah, he's not protecting a a wife who's covering up the fact that he's gay and doesn't know about it, you know. He just is who he is and um, you know, makes no apologies for it at all, which is how it should be, right? Yes, um, if able to deflect the homophobia and microaggressions and just get yeah. on with the job of like speaking or doing what he needs to do you know exactly exactly my cat's climbing on my table if you can hear some rustling it's her because <laughs> she's right next to my mic so it might pick up i don't know oh she's actually rubbing her face on my um on my mic stand jackie so don't just um, don't do that what do you think about the scene between torben and pia did it surprise you Initially, yeah, when I first watched this, yeah, it did surprise me because they were kind of like not always on the same page previously. Like she's not a huge fan of his decisions or the way he behaves. And she's certainly seen him be negative and she's certainly seen him, you know, in this season be picked on by Alex like that. And I think I think she has a lot of sympathy for him. And I think she realizes there might be something going on at his house. Like there's something going on with Torben in this season. And I think Pia picks up on that. And because they've had a close working relationship, you know, her affection for him gets the better of her in this scene. Um, obviously, of course, any viewer of Borgen knows that something thrown in to an episode like that, you know, that's going to come back later. Yeah. Something's going to happen as a result of that. Um situation. But like, initially I was like, this is a mistake. They should not do this. It like, yeah, it, it made me nervous for them. Yeah, especially it, it, for Pia. Yeah, it does. It does and for Torben because his he's already under threat from Alex. Like his job is threatened already. Like it's true, but also Torben has a higher position than than Pia. Yeah. So, um, I thought that the kiss between them, which was initiated by Pia, was innocently she innocently allowed herself to get carried away in the moment, and I don't think she was thinking. Um, and I think she seeing Torben in this vulnerable situation made her feel really badly for him. Yeah. <laughs> but that hug and was too long. She should have stopped it at the hug. The hug was too long. The long hug, hug led to the kiss. Um, yeah. But like I said, I think the kiss was sweet. But uh, as you said, it was problematic because Torben is her boss. He's also married. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's all problematic. Mm-hmm. Although Pia looks really good in this season. She looks all like relaxed and like her wardrobe is a bit more casual. And I don't know. I just like her look. No, I think she's, I think Pia is very attractive. I think she's yeah. very cute. I like her hair and her glasses and her bright eyes and her smile, but and her also, also I like her brain. That's what I'm, I was going to say. Like she knows what she's doing and She's very successful at what she does, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, she's in control in her position for sure. Yeah. And I think she would be, when I see her, you know, uh, at work, I think she would be an excellent coworker, right? Like all these totally. things make her very attractive to me. 
Totally. She would be the one to go out with for drinks afterwards to do a work bitch and snitch for sure. <laughs> well, yes, her, and, her and Hannah, we can do a, Amy, if, you see, if we worked at TV one, we could do a girl's night after work. For yeah, drinks. That would be awesome. Can you imagine would... after work, we work at TV one and we go out <laughs> and Pia, how awesome would that be? It would be so awesome. <laughs> It would be so, so yeah, awesome that's that's um basically my my wrap up then for for this episode. I don't have any other uh, issues to bring up other than Katrine, which we'll get into later on in a bonus yes. episode. Yeah, um, I don't like how she's changing, and I don't agree. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. Changing, yeah. but we'll talk about that more extensively later on. Um, yeah, she's like going through a difficult transition period. Hmm. I think, and like making some judgment errors as a result of that. Yes. And even though I don't like the way she's going, it's actually really good writing to not show her as the same as she was in yes. her season one, season two, the anchor, the journalist, Casper's girlfriend. And yeah. I loved her in all those things. I thought she was stellar as the girlfriend, as the anchor, as journalist or reporter, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think she's she's changing and we will talk about that more. So. Um, yeah. So if there's nothing else, Amy, should we wrap this one did up? We, I, we did talk about Casper's shaved head, right? That was another kind of comic thing. The first time he shows his shaved head to Torben. Well, the first time he showed his shave, like the first time when it's, she was over, the, Katrine was over and discovered that bra. She was trying yeah. to like hide everything and like compose herself. And then you see Casper walking up the stairs to the upper floor where she is. And she she looks at him and she like, it's like she saw a ghost. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. It's like, what happened head. to your hair? I do not yeah. like that look on him. I think it looks terrible. No, he looks better with hair. Yeah, his head is too big to have it or something. Or he's got too low of a hairline for shaved head to look good. I don't Shaved know. head only looks good on people with receding hairlines or high hairlines, like mine. It's high. Are you going to shave your head? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> yeah, no. You're right. That was a comic relief, actually, about Torben's hair. How's it going to go on? Uh, how, how's he going to go on uh, Eulen Fries with a shaved head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of good. It was kind of good. That was funny. All right. So uh, we got some more stuff coming up. We're going to continue covering the next episodes. We're, we have some bonus episodes in the works. So we hope listeners will stick around for that. And sorry, this kind of became a lengthy episode, we think, but we don't record that often. So it's a special treat. Hopefully you see it as a yeah. special treat for Amy and I to be with you for this length. Yeah, um, we folded in some bonus content into our regular episode. Some, some bonus bit. bonus conversations. So yeah. we're giving you a little extra today. So um, so yeah. So with that, we'd like to thank our listeners for joining us on this episode. You can check us out on our website, theborganpodcast.com, where all of our podcast episodes are archived. And you can learn more about us and the show. We'd like to thank our good friend, Garth Jensen, for providing us the intro and outro music. Thank you very much, Garth. And lastly, don't forget to check us out on all social social media platforms and subscribe to us so you know when new podcast episodes are released. We are there on all social media platforms, and we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to connect with us and share what's on your mind by using the hashtag theborganpodcast.com and by sending us an email or voice memo at theborganpodcast at gmail.com. 